Welcome back, Rage Nation. So a real quick shout out that I want to give people is one of our friends from Charleston, South Carolina, started creating a bunch of tokens and a bunch of widgets and a bunch of other things that people need for their wargaming needs. And he does this with his awesome 3D printer that he decided to pick up. He started an Etsy page. It's called bardingtokens.com. And if you go to that, you can get lots of things for Malifaux. You can get steppers. You can get tokens for you know your corpse uh, drops and schemes. You can also get base identifiers for things like Warhammer Underworlds, D&D identifiers, and lots, lots more. He even creates things like dividers and things that you can put in your foam. So check them out. Really decently priced, and I'd highly recommend it. Just good, solid printing that will definitely help in your tabletop gaming needs. If you want to support the show, make sure that you use the code RAGEQUIT. Once again, that's at bardingtokens.com. Now, on to the show. Welcome back, Rage Nation. Definitely not PR friends. Myself, Pete. He needs to stop, like, fucking getting cute with these kicks. John the Mountain Man Stokes. You're not putting them on my models, motherfucker. Chris the non-tech Asian. Put the tape measure up and get some wages. You, yeah, no, you really frustrated me. You walked away and you came back and your scalp would be thrown across the room. <laughs> I'm just here so I don't get fined. I will will share with you my one rage quit story. You know, I'm a robot and I don't have a solo across now eight. This is going to be a really great opportunity for everybody to see how you effed up. Welcome back, Rage Nation. We are back again putting out another podcast for you social isolated warriors out there. Yeah. And we're, we're, we're fighting the good fight. <laughs> staying inside like recommended this fucking sucks yep but what we're gonna do is we're gonna kind of update what we're doing to stay sane in the world but the other thing that we want to talk about is there's actually a hashtag going around in the world of guild ball which is hashtag guild ball field test and for those of you that haven't been paying attention to it like chris that <laughs> basically it's a hashtag that's been going around on twitter it's been going around on facebook especially gubs uh, which is the Facebook group for Guild Ball. And yeah, it's basically the the people of Steamforge, mainly Matt Hart and the, uh, I don't know if you want to call them the PR people, but whatever, basically decided like, hey, we see that these numbers are down or we see that they're not going up anymore. Or I don't know what the numbers are, but it's got to be to that effect. But they want to know, hey, what are some things that you think we need to improve for Guild Ball to help get people interested in bringing new players while still keeping the identity of Guild Ball. So Chris and I, I'm going to share with Chris some of the things that have been popping up around social media as far as some of the ideas. And also we'll talk about what Chris and I feel like needs to happen, which we've shared a little bit on the show before, but we're going to talk a little bit more in depth on the topic. So that's where we're going to go with the show. But before we do that, Chris, why don't you give us an update on how you're how you're doing with some of the things we talked about on our last episode with how not to go batshit crazy while you're isolated. I'm just going batshit crazy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. If people want to find me on social media, they can, and they can hear me rage out and, you know, expound upon all of my plans on how I could solve this problem better than everyone else. You're welcome, America. Something we did do, Chris, is you and I actually went on Tabletopia on Sunday 
and we did play a game of God tier on Tabletopia. Yeah, so field test number one, get Rangosh on that Tabletopia thing. Okay, why, why do you want Rangosh so bad? Because then he can chop your face off. So w- let's kind of break this down a little bit because those of you that didn't see it, we streamed it live. And something we've been doing is we've been putting a lot more content on our YouTube channel, Rage Quit Wire. And the stream is one of the things that we put on there. And we're also putting on streams of me painting stuff, doing some gameplay, even got some things like Hero of the Storm and some Diablo 2 stuff that we're going to stream. Making your son go aggro on a game. Yeah, I did put the one of Ty and I playing God Tier on the tabletop in my nerd room. So we're putting a lot of video content out and we really would like people to like, subscribe and share the channel. That way we can get some more exposure. We can figure out what people want to see more on the channel, what you like, what you'd like improve. Because this is almost a perfect time for Chris and I to create video content and streaming is a really easy way for us to do that. But one of the things we did is we played and we just did a one-on-one battle. And I I pr- picked, uh, what's his name, Roderick the Dwarf. And Chris, you picked Morgan because you like the Slayers. Yep, that did not work out well. So what did you not like about Morgan as a Slayer? She didn't slay jack shit. That was fucking <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> Basically, you kept putting on these, you know, blights and giving yourself boons and it i don't understand how you can be a slayer if you literally can't kill a single model if you (laughs) devote killed more models than you did if you devote all of your efforts toward killing one model and you cannot do it that makes no sense so are you saying morgan's not a slayer yeah morgan is i don't know whatever you call putting out effects type model (laughs) So, yeah, you were pretty upset that she couldn't kill anything. Yeah, I was pissed. You're like, where's Rangosh? <laughs> yep, anything to get Rangosh. Then I so called Jamie. To... Well, I didn't call him. I messaged him. So Jamie basically told you also that that was kind of a bad matchup for Morgan, I think. Yep, it was a bad matchup. So, which is kind of one of the things I like about God Tier, how there are these kind of rock, paper, scissors effect to it, where you can... Pick somebody that is like, man, Rangosh is kind of a dick. I need a model that is going to handle him. Yep. And that's what I will do as soon as Rangosh is on Tabletopia. So field test number one, get on that. <laughs> Hashtag field test. I don't know why they didn't put him on there. That that model and there's a couple other ones that need to be on there that aren't. Yeah, I feel Can like it's pres- an EA sports game. I need you got to pay to play. Yeah, you they they leave off LeBron on the NBA game or whatever. <laughs> I think we also need to get Sneaky Pete on there because he's the boy. Yeah, you always do this, Pete. Well, and <laughs> just a little bit of news that it isn't new, but they actually have two champions that they've been showing the renders for, and one of them was this kind of samurai goblin looking champion. I saw that and I thought, and man, Pete's gonna hate this model. He hates Asian stuff. Yeah, but it's a goblin, so I'm okay with it. Wow, it's nice. Like to, I like the stam. It's I nice like to know where I look. It's nice to know where your prejudices rank, Pete. <laughs> as long as it's a goblin in samurai armor, I'm okay with it. Okay, good. And then there was also like this. I don't know. It almost looked like a Valkyrie dwarf kind of warrior. I don't even know. Yeah, but it, they looked really cool. I like the renders that they showed. Yeah, I'm excited for more god tier. So, and I was actually talking to Jamie too, because I was kind of like, you know, how hard was Chris crying to you kind of deal? 
And it was just kind of funny because when I was talking to Jamie, I was like, and you want to know what? Right now, I mean, I'm enjoying God tier a a lot more than I think I might have ever enjoyed Guild Ball at some point. Whoa. Just because of how how fun that game is. That's that's some high-level praise right there, Pete. It's funny that you say that because that's exactly what Jamie said. said. He's like, man, that's some... That's some high praise right there. Yep. Yep. That's more than you've ever enjoyed Guild Ball. Guild Ball has been one of your favorites. <laughs> it has. It has been. But I, I've told you a lot that I love the fantasy element a lot. And a lot of these characters are just high fantasy and a lot of fun, kind of interesting back and forth you can do. So I really haven't been enjoying that. And like I said, I like Guild Ball a lot. So that is saying a lot. Yeah, well, I, I'm I'm happy to hear it, especially because you know I got all this god tier shit, so <laughs> so so we can use it. Yeah, so now it can be used. Well, I had a little trouble too because I was at Jacob's shop and I'm like looking at this stuff, like, man, am I going to buy this god tier stuff? I'm like, well, I can't buy this one because Chris already has that model, so why would I buy that one right now? <laughs> yeah, you got to buy the starter box of stuff that I don't have. But I am getting hooked up with that Sneaky Pete model, so I'm pretty happy about that. Who's hooking you up? The Final Round Game Shop, because I've been doing a lot of streaming for Jacob. Nice. Yeah, and that's another thing. Each day at 2 o'clock, if you just search Final Round Game Shop, it's a game shop in South Carolina. I do paint streaming on there. That's where we did the gameplay of uh, Ty and I playing God Tier. So we've been doing that pretty much Monday through Friday for uh, Jacob, just to get some more traffic on his page and get some people going to his online site. So a lot of good online content right now. Like I'm setting up a Song of Ice and Fire game right now on Tabletop Simulator that Russ and I are going to play sometime within the next couple days. So I have a question. Does Ty have like that rage quit spirit in him like I do? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> are, like it's not even a question. Are like, people going to get some good moments in that in that video? Are they, it, does he really like indulge the spirit of rage quitting? <laughs> yeah, I, I think the camera kept it a little bit in check just because, you know, you know, when you're on on stream or if you're, you know, live feed or if you're going to be put on camera, you're going to reserve that a little bit more. You try not to, you know, show your butt. I, I, but, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I let loose. Well, <laughs> I say you don't have that sensor. <laughs> I do not. But most people do. Most people do. And so Ty didn't throw a tantrum, but he he came close. <laughs> yeah, you saw some definitely kind of huffy moments there. <laughs> All right. So, okay. So with this field test thing, um, well, is there anything else that you want to talk to talk about God tier on? Uh, not God tier wise, but I think that is maybe one of the things that led to this field test because God tier numbers are up. They have all these board games coming out that are selling pretty well for them. And then you notice Guild Ball is kind of falling. And when that's the game that puts you on the map, I think it it sent up a lot of flags where they're like, hey, we need to see if we can save this a bit. So when I first saw this field test thing, because I didn't really know what it was, I thought it was like a CID thing. Like they had released like sample things for people to try out and then give them the feedback on i didn't realize it was as open-ended otherwise i would have interacted with that a lot more (laughs) yeah it's basically just people saying here's what yeah people are like hey this is what i want to see and i've had some really good conversations on uh on twitter with it but people been 
it's been kind of a hot topic though, because some people are being constructive, but then you have others that are using it just as a straight up bitch fest, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, see, this is actually why I love that Steamforge did this because they're not idiots. Like they know that there are going to be people that turn into a bitch fest. Like, absolutely. Right. And most people, because they know that there will be those few actors in there, they aren't even willing to go down the road because they're like, well, I mean, if we open this up, it's just going to be like a complaint session and people can poison the well. But I love that they have the confidence to say, no, we'll take we'll take whatever criticism you have. Like, we're not afraid that, you know, a few bad apples are going to poison the well even further. We actually want to hear how we can improve. We're not Games Workshop. And I, I really, I, I respect that they were willing to take these steps. Because obviously, you know, even though they're moving on to what I think they and we expect are going to be, you know, bigger and better things in the future. I, obviously, they don't want to throw away something that there's, there's a, there's a, a an emotional tie to, but also there's a practical tie to it. Yeah, for sure. And it is one of those things where Steamforged has always been a good company that has interacted with the fans and the players really well. So I think this is another step where they do care about what people think about their game and they would rather get some ideas on what does the community want to see and kind of use those ideas to move forward. So I think that's a really smart move on, uh, on their part as well. So what I want to kind of start with, Chris, is we'll talk about what you and I think, and then we'll kind of get some of the things we've been seeing floating around, and then we'll kind of go from there. I, I so, also want some of the bitch fest stuff. Oh, yeah. So, we, get, we have it, man. Yeah. So oh, feel free, because if I don't agree with that person, I'm going to, like, defend Steamforge. But if I agree with that person, then I'm going to, like, keep it real. So yeah. feel free to give me, like, the poison the well stuff, because I, I obviously don't want to poison the well for Steamforge. But I do want to be honest and direct with the criticisms. So, okay. So let's just start with what you feel are some of the big issues here, Chris. What are some of the things where it's you think they can either tweak with the game or they can start to improve on to try and once again keep the flavor of Guild Ball, but maybe bring some new players in? I think that one of the biggest issues are practical logistics things. Yeah. And I think that a lot of th- I've been a part of multiple startups in my career. And one thing that I know about startups is there's always this run before you can walk mentality. And part of it is just that you're trying to get going. So if you can, you know, lift a foot in one direction, you feel like I have to do this to at least get something going. It always takes longer than you think. And I feel like Steamforge fell victim to this when they would make announcements and everything wasn't ready as far as their shipping or their production or uh, things like changing the pundit program and the new champions program. I I still don't even know what the fuck the champions program is all about. So, I mean, I I get that it's (laughs) supposed to be like the new pundit program, but like I haven't sent in an application to it or just because I don't know what's going on. So I feel like they have had the growing pains that are normal of a startup where they they've said, hey, here's something that we can do. Here's something good. And they try to 
roll it all out before it's ready to roll out. Like the the shipping issues alone over the past couple years, I think were enough to turn off a good number of people that thought, why, why am I going down this road? They're never going to make they're never going to ship things on time. And I hope that they've solved a lot of that. It seems like they have, but that still is a taste that's in people's mouths. Well, I don't know, Chris, if you go on to the Guild Ball site, right? And if you even go to the store and you start, I'll pull it up kind of while I'm just talking here. But when you look at the web store and it's like, okay, we have all these cool resins, right? So I'm going to go to the Guild Ball page and I'm going to look at some of these resin teams that I want to get. And when you scroll down to them, you have some of the new stuff. But then when you scroll out to the others, you kind of find that they're out of stock or they don't have it. And some of them aren't available. So it's just tough for people to invest in it when it's like, well, I can't even get the stuff like this fisherman's team is sold out. And that's one of your main guilds that you kind of got with this game going, right? The hunters are sold out, which are a pretty powerful guild right now. So there's a couple of, it's just like, you need to make sure that all the big stuff, your guilds are in stock. It's, it's, it's really shitty for a player to get into a game and go, man, look at these hunter models. I love how Cena's kind of standing on his back feet and looks like he's roar or she's roaring. And then you just find out that you can't buy them. And, and it's just, it's, it's just shitty. That's just all there is to say about it. And I don't know what the issue is there. And I, know that it's been over a year now that we've had these issues and a lot of people like me are kind of tired of dealing with it if i want guild ball stuff i'm gonna go to a third party and i'm gonna go hey i'm gonna buy it from them instead of steamforge or i'm going to pick up a team that's already painted or picked up a trade between somebody before i go i can't i can't even tell you the last time i went on steamforge site just because that's how uh I don't, I don't trust it anymore. I just don't trust that this stuff's going to ship out on time. I don't trust that they're going to fulfill my order. And that's why anytime I want Steamforge stuff, I go to somebody else. Yeah, I I really... The, for me, the, the greater concern is the disconnect between local shops and those logistical systems. Because... You need you need the local shops to be able to be successful. They they need to be be able to promote the game. That that's how you get new people into it. How many people have gotten into Guild Ball or a, a number of other games that you and I play just because they saw us playing it at the shop? And when the shop isn't able to get the stuff in, that's a problem. Well, let's kind of look at this in contrast too, Chris. And you're right, because the stores do need to have it. That's how people see it and they buy it. it if it's not there, people can't buy it. But in contrast, if you go to God Tier on the Steamforge site, all of the stuff for God Tier is in stock. All of it. every single. And granted, there's not quite as many boxes, but there's a good amount and they're all in stock. And that just shows to me where the priority is. Okay. Yeah, I, I I see what you're saying. There there was also that, and I don't know if this has been changed or fixed, but they were listing uh, Guild Ball under other games on the website. I don't yeah, know they if fixed it, that. Yeah. So like, like so I I mean that's that's a huge red flag, right? Like that. Hey, this isn't one of our priority games. So I'm happy they fixed that. I I would imagine that part of this was. I hope that it's a good indicator 
that part of the reason why all of the stuff for God tier is in stock is because they tried to apply some of the lessons that they had with the errors that were made in Guild Ball, uh, you know, within yeah. the past few years. So I, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that played into why God tears in stock. But ultimately, what I would like to see here is one, not releasing stuff unless you actually have it. Right. I, I would be way more excited about hearing about a release and then knowing that I could get it next week than hearing about a release as soon as possible and not being able to get it for four months. So yeah, it's so frustrating. Yeah. Like, like, and the reason why is because you don't know the difference if you haven't heard anything for six months about any releases. It, it, there's no disappointment because there have been no expectations set. Um, but in the case of setting the expectation, like you're doing it to yourself. So, I mean, if, if Steamforge had a policy that said, we're not going to issue something about releases unless we can ship that within a week, that would be a wise thing in my opinion. Yeah. I'd, and I would be fine with that because like, like you said, I hate the fact that it's, you hear about something and then it could be a year and you don't you don't hear about it. I mean, look for example cooks. the the cooks, the entertainers guild that we designed a year and a half now ago, heck, almost a year and three quarters now getting there. That we helped design the entertainers guild for the brewers, and we've heard nothing about that. Yeah. And it's just one of these things, just kind of looming in the air. Is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? And yeah, they've released minor guilds and. They give out little bits of information, but they don't tell you when it's coming out. I agree that I, even if it's two weeks or three weeks, a, a month, whatever that number you want it to be, I, I know a lot of a lot of gaming companies will say, "Okay, it's it's on its way. It'll be sometime in the next two months," because sometimes they can't tell how long it's going to take for to get from there. Uh, the people that are making their models in through customs and then into stores, so there's a big kind of gap in time there. So they just say within two months, it'll be on the shelves. So that, I think that's the big bugbear that a lot of people are just speaking that they just want the product. They just want, you know, it in the stores, they want it on the website. If I want to get something that has been released, I should be able to get it. There's no reason that brewers, fishermen, butchers, and masons should ever be out of stock. Those are your core guilds. I feel like those are the old and those are the old guilds that you should always have because people are always going to want to play them. Yeah. So let's kind of get into some other things, though, Chris. Let me ask you this, and this is one thing that I feel, and I've seen other people feel about the game that it's just it gets stale over a long period of time because you got to get to twelve points, and there's only two ways to get there. So. Is there anything you can think about how you can freshen up the game as far as paths to victory go? You know, I, I've thought about this one a little bit. Um, I, have you thought of any ideas on this? Because I, I'll be honest, I really haven't. So, I and I actually tweeted about this last night. I was talking to a few people late night about this because I knew we were going to talk about it today. And one of the things I said, I think the way you get alternate victory points and keep the game fresh 
is with those game plan decks. And I think what you do is you have the game plan deck, but you also include almost, it's not just a way to control the initiative and not just a way to control something. It should be like, if you accomplish this, you get X amount of victory points that turn. So, the, so that way you so, have- So the schemes basically from Malifaux. Yeah, and I thought about that because that's what keeps Malifaux so fresh is that when people get tired of it, they go to a new gaining ground system and now it's totally different. And even though I've only been playing six months, the fact that these uh, schemes have changed in Malifaux, now there's a couple of the masters that I can play a little more now because they do better in those. It could be the same thing for Guild Ball where you have these... They're, they're not even they, they don't have to be scenarios they could just be something like if you you know push somebody off the pitch gain an extra two victory points yeah I, so i really like that the other thing that i thought about and i just don't know how to incorporate it is i thought about like the tactics board with song of ice and fire yeah because that has such a huge influence on gameplay and that would be really cool and it works so well within the, the world of guild ball yeah that there's like people pulling the strings behind the scenes um i don't know that it would necessarily be about models maybe you're incorporating some of that in with the concept of the game plan deck but yeah it, 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 making that game plan deck a more important and focused part of the game that can give you new ways to score victory points i think would be hugely benefit i really like that idea yeah, and like I said, it, borrowing from other games, it would work. And then when something either is broken or when you know you just feel like, okay, this guild needs something that can help them get more victory points, just rotate that set out. And you can do that every six months. It doesn't have to be a year thing. But the sideboard would be really interesting because you could use the new coaches tag for that. Yep. You could move those coaches over there and have them influence that sideboard to maybe have a model jog out of activation or maybe make a pass uh, out of activation. So just some abilities you have where the coach can make those calls, that would be really slick and cool. I, I really would like to see a feature. Well, there are two features that one I know I've mentioned on the podcast. The other one I'm not sure about. The first one was I would really like weather conditions, which I think could change each, I, I did mention that game. last night too. And, and then the other one is... I would like to see if they did incorporate like a sideboard, a coach, something like that. I would love to see a substitutions option. If you realize you made a wrong pick and you fucked up, you could pull a player and put a new player in, even though you've already drafted. Yeah, there were a couple people that said that would be a real cool option to have like one, like almost like a sixth man where it's like, we need somebody to go lock Flint down get out there and lock them down, you know, type of deal. That would be really cool. Yeah, I, I would like um, that. The weather effect would be cool too, because you could even do stuff where you have, like I've told people before that you have the fast ground. Well, you could make that when it's like winter advisory, you could make it where on a one, the model going over the ice kind of falls down on a six. Maybe you get an extra inch of movement. And then you could even do guilds that have, uh, almost like an affinity to certain types of weather, like hunters would be okay in, you know, winter weather, or maybe uh, you get another guild that does well in like excessive heat. So it's just one of those things where when you add weather and 
I think the sub thing and the sideboard and what we're talking about with the plot, the game plan cards, that stuff would be really cool to add to the game to get some flavor because it's just, it's too linear right now. It's just too, this is the way, this is my most direct path to victory. Let's do it. It's the same way every game, just maybe different variations of it. You know what would be the other thing that I think would be awesome is like with Song of Ice and Fire, how you're mixing in the commander cards with your faction cards. Captain I wish cards. what no, no, no. Well, captain cards would be one idea, but I was just thinking about like with the guild. So like if you have your game plan deck, but you know that you're mixing in six guild cards, like That'd be cool. Let, let's take, uh, let's take the butchers for instance, because everyone knows that's my baby. Um, if the butchers were able to mix in slick with blood, that old card. Yeah, from right? the uh, big league. And and then they were the only ones that were able to do that, right? But you know that it's standard, so you never know when you're going to draw one of Ox's cards or a Butcher card or a Flay card, just yeah. like you never know if you're going to draw a Rob Stark card out of your deck in Song of Ice and Fire. Yeah, I think that th this is probably where Steamforge can make very conscious efforts and not have to do a complete revamping of the game by ch yep. and change those conditions is with the, that game plan deck, uh, with weather conditions. I, I, I would love weather condition affinities for the guilds or even the players, right? So, like, let's say it's a rainy, muddy day, right? And that's great for Flint because he can just slide all over the board. But it's yep. terrible for a heavy, like, larger base model... Uh, like a goalkeeper because like because they're stuck in the mud right like it would be great if there were those things and then you could play it just like you would with weather conditions in real life in a football game right if you have a guy that doesn't do well in that condition you pull that guy out and you change the offense up and so if you draw that weather condition you're gonna say i'm leaving brick on the bench i'm putting flint in i'm gonna go more you know light it, it, with that it, and and vice versa like so guild affinities for the weather conditions and player affinities depending on like size of base yeah and that would just be a really cool and fun way to make the game fun and i'm gonna kind of throw this in there chris because i think it's it's interesting just from our perspective i've seen a lot of people just say that steamforge has been focusing too much on the competitive side they need more rules and in-game effects that are just fun, just fun to play. I mean, do you agree with that? I mean, it sounds like it from what we're talking about. Um, I think that the competitive side is important, and so I don't want them to neglect that. Like, for example, I think that uh, the fact that they've kind of said, hey, we're not going to do a SteamCon US anymore is a negative. Um, and so I, I don't want them to neglect that side of things. But I wouldn't mind an expanse of things that are going to create good gameplay experiences locally. So yeah. um, one thing that I we, we've done the big league, we've done the rookie campaigns. I would like to see one where you can and th this would be a cool thing because it gives so many other options for things like kit bashing. I would love to see a release where maybe there's some options of sprues that you can get. You can really create a model yourself and then you can build up that model on certain 
attribute and ability tracks like it is with the big league or the rookie league to where it's not something that you're going to you're going to be bringing your custom model to a tournament right obviously that would piss people off because you who knows what they can do, but to where you can yeah. start selecting abilities, you can start, you know, deciding what sort of player you want. And then you could actually r- literally build that player out and play your player with your guild. Yeah, that would be cool. I just think that they do need to focus on everybody. They can't, I don't know what the percentage of competitive players is, but it it's not the majority. I'd say the top end competitive is maybe, 15% of the guild ball population, right? The rest of them are just playing at their house. They're playing at their shops. They might go to a tournament, but they really don't care how they place. And and I, I think sometimes we do focus on the optimal play and we do focus on this is what you need to do, where in fact, a lot of people just want to have fun. And the more of these fun effects you put into the game, the more that type of player you're going to get interested in the game. People don't want to always be hyper competitive sometimes they just want to play a game just because it's awesome right yeah that fun factor is a big deal yeah i i mean i don't know if uh you know a part of this because obviously when you expand rule sets and make rule sets more complicated um there does start to become a difference about you know the casualness of the players that you attract and so i don't know if there's a way that See, and then we, we we wouldn't use this like you and I, because if there was a rule set for in tournament and there was a rule set for casuals, we would never use the one for casuals. Probably. So something else that I think is interesting that they need to probably tweak and fix is especially with these a lot of these new models, Chris, they have a lot of auto hit effects, right? Where it's just like. I pay for this. It just happens. There's no roll on your defense. There's no roll to see if I get through, you know, your armor or whatnot to take away hits and successes. So is that something that you agree with that they need to really regulate and just be like, no, this, unless it's a legendary, this auto stuff needs to go away. Well, you know that I don't like leaving things to the chance of the dice. I I, I hate leaving things to the chance of the dice. So I would rather know that my ability goes off, but I can understand how some models having that and others not creates an imbalance. So I do want something consistent, but me personally, I would rather have more of the effects where I know I can do what I'm planning on doing. But that's that's a personal perspective. That's not necessarily what I what I'm saying for the game. Yeah. Some of these new models just have like fuse just under the lines, just choose an enemy model within three and place yourself base contact. But there's a lot more of those effects popping up. And I don't think it's good for the game because then it's like, well, this high defense model that should be okay here, or at least have a chance. You're just saying that defense doesn't matter. Yeah. So, I mean, yes, I, I agree. They should, they should have a way of balancing that out to where you don't have OP models, but I don't want to, I don't want to say they should do away with it completely. I just think that they need to consider it and make it, make it more balanced out over all of the guilds or whatever it is. Cause traditionally in guild ball, something like that, where it just happens has always been a legendary effect. Sure. Right. It's just like sharks getting caught in the net. It's a one-time thing. I don't roll for it, but it happens. And if you want that on regular models, like on Fuse, make it a legendary. There's no reason you can't have a legendary on a regular squatty. Sure. 
the other thing that kind of is getting in a lot of people's craw, and this is me too, the damage is just insane on these models right now. Yeah. Do you feel the damage is too high, Chris? I mean, you're you're a melee guy, but is the damage too high? Well, specifically, I think with, you know, as as they roll out more stuff and uh, I, it's it's the nature of like some power creep, right? Like, because it becomes more impressive to be able to do that. And so then people want stuff. And every time there's a rebalancing, that's an easy way to go. But uh, yeah, I think that they're kind of suffering a little bit from what happened with GW and their Space Marines, right? Like their Space Marines were supposed to be a certain standard. And then eventually like that standard gets washed out as like other sure did. models and things get added. So like a rebalancing of that, like I, I would, even if they don't officially put something out, I would like it if Matt or Jamie said... The best of the best models, the hardest hitting models, the most they're going to do is eight, or or whatever, or or whatever the number is you want it to be. I say eight's a lot. Yeah, right. But like, but that's the top end, right? So like, we're going to balance this where with any additions that you can put on them or whatever, right? Because I don't think it's unreasonable to say Boar can do eight damage and random farmer model can do too like i I don't i don't think that's unreasonable i think it's important for the listeners to know that they do this kind of stuff well they used to when they balance things uh one big one is they said that when they do the defense and the armor on a model they try not to have it yeah not go over five because they found out that once you go over five the balance of that model is way more, I wouldn't say powerful, but it's way more difficult to deal with than when you hit that five number. Well, and, and I don't, I'm not attached to the eight number. What I'm, what I'm saying is just in concept, but isn't there like some combo now where like on a very marginal number of successes, some blacksmith model can do over 10. I mean, there was a couple models that did that with just a couple of hits. Like, before they did the uh, the nerf that came down to Vet Catalyst and Soma, basically you could do a crap ton of damage with Vet Cat just by getting one hit. So they they did put the errat out. We didn't do an episode on it because honestly it just seemed like an alchemist and an alchemist nerf and there was some buff to some blacksmiths and some other things and it didn't seem interesting enough to me to talk about. Uh and it didn't interest you or John enough to come on and talk about hey, it. So I'm always available. You are, but I know that you don't know anything about alchemists, so it wouldn't be worth talking about. Man, I feel very judged right now. Uh, <laughs> okay, so, yeah, I mean, I would like it, even if they don't tell us what it is, I would like it if in the back of their minds they have the very best models, those handful of models that are just killers can only do so much. We're putting a cap on this. The models that are in the models that are in the middle of that bell curve, that 66%, an average roll can do this. And the models that are at the low end, obviously, you can talk about, you know, whether or not they can really get anything off damage-wise much at all. But the yes, I think that there needs to be a balancing of the damage done and I, I don't like it when it swells out to ridiculous proportions. I don't. I, I just don't like that in general. I, I want it to feel manageable. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it should be. It shouldn't. There should be very few models that can remove a model with just one swing. Like, I feel like you can almost kill a model, but when you get to the point where it's like some of these models are wrapping and doing like 12 to 16, 20 damage in one swing, that's too, that's too much, dude. Yeah, that's, that's ridiculous. Like, now I do want, like, those handful of models that you want to be, uh, in theme, the ones that are heavy hitting enough, I want them to be able to take out an average model in an activation. In an activation, though, is key. Yes. Not, not in one swing. Yes, yes, exactly, right? And so, I mean, like, well, who are those ones that you think would be the heavy hitting ones? The, the, like those top five, right? The, and I'm not talking about, like, right now. I'm talking about, like, in theme. Who are the who are the characters in Guild Ball that should be able to be the heaviest hitting? Boar's obviously one of them. Yeah, I would say Boronox are probably two that I'm like, yeah, they should be able to lay low somebody. Catalyst? Probably one of the, yeah, probably Catalyst, maybe one of the farmers like Thresher, and then... Um, See, I'm thinking like Wendell, like 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 a big hulking farmer. Yeah, you could. You, you could do Wendell. And then somebody else like Cena. Yeah, like Cena. The bear, should, the bear should be feared. Yeah. And, and 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 it it for me that's real simple, right? Like I think that in if you look at like an average model's hits, like boxes, you should be able to uh be be likely to take out an average model with those heavy hitting models, and that those models should have the possibility, if it goes well, of taking out some of the higher box models. And maybe yeah. uh, may, maybe there are certain ones that are on the top end of, of health and boxes that it would literally be impossible for them to take out um, in one activation. But, you know, like, that's kind of how I think, how I would think about it, right? I, I want to, when I want to be able to do something, and, and the same is true for scoring, right? There, those models that are scorers, like Shark, you should be able to say, hey, if I'm able to line up a shot here, it is likely a, a success. Not it's a possibility, well, ask, it's likely. This, Chris. One thing they did, they have said consistently, is they want scoring to be more part of the game. Okay. So something I've heard some people say are things like, hey, let's go ahead and we'll add in maybe a free pass or give when you... you I think that most people were kind of talking about something where you could do a free pass per turn or the ball couldn't stay on the same model for more than, you know, three activations or something. There, there were some crazy ideas going around, but do you have any ideas as far as getting ball movement and getting people to score more? More models that are like sugar in the, in the cook's guild. So more that are just like taking these like dunk downtown Steph Curry shots. Yeah. But to where, like, it's a possibility, but it's not necessarily that, like, it's a sure thing. Yeah. Right? Like, like I want people to be, like, I want people taking risks with it. And yeah. then, and then yes, I agree with the idea of not being able to just, like, kill a ball out. Right? Like, there should be, there should be a way to penalize that. Um, just like in, you know, lacrosse, like, you can get called for stalling out. Um, yeah. So, so, yeah, I, I... To so maybe you give a victory point up if you're stalling with the ball. Yeah, exactly. Right. Or, or if you don't, if you're not advancing it. Right. So maybe, and maybe that's the midline instead of just the rear line 
of you know the the pitch you just say hey if you if you're not within a certain you know number of activations or whatever getting this at least a, around the midline or getting this beyond the midline there's going to be some some negative things or, or how about this one how about this if it's behind the goal line you could give up victory points so you really don't want to kill it back there if you yeah. don't get it past the midline in a certain number of activations, then you're looking at giving giving up your ability to create momentum. Yeah, something like that would be pretty interesting. Just putting pressure on where it's like, I have to get the ball up there. Otherwise, it's going to start costing me. Because I want it to be, I like when things line up with the theme, right? And like, if yeah. I watched a soccer game, where a team refused to move the ball past the midline, you bet your ass that team has no momentum. Like yeah, that they're would, getting booed. Yeah, that would that would kill a crowd and uh, and all of that, right? So so yeah, if you can get it to the point where hey, you have the ball and you didn't get past the midline, fuck you guys, stop running like a bitch. Yeah, and you all know how I feel about that. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to go into that anymore. <laughs> So, yeah, that's uh, that, that's a way that I think that you could fix that. Make, make that midline thing more, more significant. Now, and looking at it, Chris, there's a couple other things. So I'm going to throw a couple of the uh, comments that I've been seeing people make on social, social media and just get our input on it. And then we'll wrap this thing up and keep it pretty close to about an hour. But... One of the things that somebody said on Gubs was they wanted to see if people wanted more effective goalkeeping. So something where the goalies are actually more in the game and more interesting than just, I don't know, kind of a dumb mechanic that doesn't work a lot. Yeah, I, I want I want to see the goalies be able to actually stop some some goals. <laughs> yeah, because it feels like if you bring a goalie, they really don't have much say on what actually happens they have some slight effects like the counter charge is big. And then you also have the one where they add the plus to the TN and it just doesn't seem to come into effect as much because you can mitigate the benefits and the results of a goalkeeper right now. They're, they're not worth bringing in most cases. Yeah. I mean, I would like to see a situation where how could I see the problem with the goalkeeper's abilities right now is if you're playing against a player that's knowledgeable, they can choose to not engage with that ability. Yeah, they can just say, "I'm not going to come within range to get, uh, I'm not going to come within range to get countercharged. I'm not going to dodge to where you're able to come over to me, or it, it, all of those types of things." I want to see the goalkeepers actually have like a permanent effect that can influence things but doesn't kill the goal scoring of the top goal scoring models. So yeah. I I want to see I want to see like models like Shark like when they line up a shot I think it should be likely that it's a success and maybe with a good goalkeeper it's a 50-50. And I want to see that with a good yeah, goalkeeper see, a normal model is less less than likely but still possible. I want a goal I want a mechanic with a goalkeeper where it feels like you're in this duel with the with the model that's coming at the goal, right? I want to feel like sharks coming at it. You have your goalie 
close enough where he can affect it and then some kind of roll off for it. So whether it's you, I only roll two dice and the shark shooting the goal gets like five dice and I have to get, he has to get more four pluses than I roll four pluses. So if shark only rolls two fours, but I also rolled two fours on maybe my three dice, then I block the shot. I want some kind of mechanic. Oh, that would actually. Yeah. I like, I like that idea a lot. Right. Because then, then no matter what with shark, you're yeah. I like that. Cause then it, cause then it's not just negated because someone chose to not interact with you. Yeah. Right. So shark is still likely to get his score off, but you can block it if you roll equal to him. And most goalkeepers, I think, should be maybe around two or three dice for their yeah, blocking say, ability. And I would then, say like an excellent goalkeeper, you give three. A okay to you know poor goalkeeper, you give two dice. And then your scorers, the elite ones, should be rolling like five or six dice. Sure, sure. And 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 then you have to the goalkeeper needs to what match the number of successes. Yeah, I would say match because I think giving them just two dice to give a crack at blocking it yeah. is is good enough. Yeah. So so I, I think that's reasonable to And you, you can do the math on that. So obviously if they do develop a rule like that, they can sit there and figure out, okay, what should these numbers look like? But I think generally as an idea, that's a really cool mechanic because there's goalies in soccer and they do block shots. Now most of the time if you have a good striker, that's a big goal. It's probably going in. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they have a shot still. I, I don't like the idea of this just being like, well, if they roll 1-4, this is game over. No, I, I think it would be epic to have a goalie just be like, okay, he made the shot. Let's see if I can get enough, you know, successes to block it. And boom, blocked. Game on. Still going. And, and every and every keeper should be able to have that ability. Like a, a, some form oh, yeah. of it. It shouldn't be like, oh, yeah, some of them get this and some don't. The... Just like every keeper in a real game is able to use their hands, um, yeah, that should be a feature of of you having that. Yeah, that would be. I I, I like that a lot. Um, I think it would encourage people to take those models more often, and yeah. yet at the same time, not make them an absolute. Right. So if I'm if I know I'm going somebody that's going to go melee heavy, I would still bring you know, my melee butchers. But if I'm against a team that I just don't know how I'm going to stop them, then I take tender. Yeah. I I like that. I like that a lot. Okay. There's two other things that I want to talk about, Chris. So the next one is the idea of making the pitch smaller. So going to like an arena football or indoor soccer kind of style and basically saying like, why do we need that back area behind the goal? So what did you think about making the pitch smaller? I don't know if it should be about the back area behind the goal. I think it should be about the sides. I, th- I think it should be more rectangular like an actual like an actual field is. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, yeah, big I mean soccer fields are big, right? Yeah, right, but like I I don't mind I don't mind the depth cuz I even though yes, a lot of people don't use that area behind the goal much. I can see why it exists. Well, no cuz in an actual soccer field like the goal line the goal, is kind the of the end line. Yeah. So, so yeah, I wouldn't mind if they tight- you're not think about yeah. it. All the rule, all the rules are designed to not go back there. Yeah. Yeah. So, so why is it there? <laughs> yeah. So, so if you're looking to have, uh, 
Yes, I, I wouldn't mind a more rectangular uh, rectangular pitch. And yeah, you can do away with the space behind the goal lines. And then, yeah, just kind of kind of trim down the pitch on the sides a little bit. Like, that. Yeah, I think that would be good. Okay, and the last thing that we're going to talk about, Chris, is the negative play experiences. So the gotchas, the negative play experiences, what do you think about just getting rid of those in general or mitigating them as much as possible. Well, what do you mean by the gotchas? Because when I think about my negative play experiences, it's when my dice betray me. So unless somebody's going to allow me models that have a mechanic where I can just like opt for average successes, <laughs> like, Hey, I know I need, I know I need four, four successes here. I'm rolling six dice. I need fours. I, I think for average are- successes. <laughs> I think people are more referring to like unpredictable movement and, uh, you know, uh, not affecting them the first hit, like they dodge out of the way or they have gluttonous mass, right? Or uh, resilience, whatever it's called now, where basically your first attack is nullified and then somebody has a negative play experience with that. Or some people just say the hunters right now with steel jaw is just a negative play experience all the way around. Well, anytime you just can't move, that just fucking sucks. Yeah. So, so I don't know. What do you think about them removing that kind of stuff? Just the big like pain in the ass stuff to play against. I I don't know. I mean, I would like it to maybe be a little bit more rare. Um, a, a, like unpredictable movement is the one that's like the weirdest one because basically, if you're a one inch reach model, unpredictable movement is like crushing or useless. Because you either can't go into somebody or if you're the model that has unpredictable movement instead, then somebody can come into you with a two-inch reach model and you can never use it. Like, unpredictable movement only matters for two-inch reach models. Like, if you're a one-inch reach model, it just makes it where you can't interact in either direction, right? You can't can't get to the model if you're a one-inch reach and the model that is one-inch reach, yeah, like, I, I just... One that needs to change, like the unpredictable movement. Something about that needs to change. Maybe you only put it on two inch reach models or something like that. Um, I agree that like gluttonous mass and resilience are just fucking nightmares, especially when you forget about them. And I, I mean it, it but you know it, it's on there. So I mean, it does reward the player that's more knowledgeable um, and is paying attention. It's just most of the time those abilities are the negative play experience comes to new players, right? People that know how to play against it, have ways around it or know how to interact with it where they're not going to get screwed. So I think you do have to be careful with them because, I mean, somebody who's really salty could just be like, you want to know what? And they moved away and I couldn't do anything and I hate this game and I'm not going to play it again. Yeah. So, so if you're looking to draw in new people, that's the kind of stuff you might want to really limit. Maybe just lightening their effects, right? Make resilience to where it's not that it cancels everything out, but maybe it cancels out half the hits. Or Well, and, and going back to Malifaux, just because I've been playing a lot of that, there are stuff that it has abilities where you, you can't... I can't remember what the specific rule is called, but basically you can charge a model, but you don't get the attack. 
So something where it's like you, a model might take away part of your action, but the fact that they can, just imagine how many times, Chris, you've gotten a gotcha where all of a sudden the influence you had on a model was useless and you couldn't use it. That is the worst feeling in guilt. Yeah, it sucks. And by the way, good, good idea for like a tactics board coach type element. If there are coaches that just like they could substitute someone in, they could allow you to reallocate some influence when you have some dead influence out there. Yeah. Be like, okay, Hey, my one activation on the board, I'm going to move that influence that was wasted on that unpredictable movement. I'm going to move it over to this model. That's going to activate next. I I wouldn't mind if there was a little bit more, like maybe resilience is something that it gives you a first time, uh, first time, on an attack, just like it is now, right? As far as like what triggers it, the first attack that they experience during a turn. But maybe you had some options as far as how to use it. And those options weren't as punishing as canceling out the whole attack. So maybe maybe one of the options is cancel half the successes. Maybe one of the options is uh, give you tough hide for the first attack. Maybe one of the options is give you yeah. an additional armor for the first attack. You have to choose which one. Um, you have to declare it like before the person, you know, chooses what they're choosing, right? So like it's not a surprise or a gotcha, right? But it gives you something. And and then you could actually probably put that ability on a couple more models, right? Because right now there are models that you would like to see something like resilience on, but resilience is way too strong. But you want something on there. So yeah, like a a weaken what resilience does, but give a couple options as far as what you can choose. Yeah. And I think that we've got a good list of things. And the thing about this game is you could talk about this all day on different things you'd like to see in some cool mechanics, but I like the ones that we talked about. We got a good chunk of them. We responded to some of the ones that uh, I saw on social media. Well, was there anything, was there anything people were shit posting? Uh, I think most of the shit posting was just the <clears throat> lack of transparency sometimes, uh, the canceling of events, stuff not being shipped and stocked, things like that. Okay. But I think most people, and this is probably the more competitive players, a lot of people are saying the rules don't need to change, that the game's fine. It's just basically the extra stuff that needs to be addressed and and... I mean, I guess that's the way a lot of people feel. I feel like that the game could use... The the rules are good, but I feel like they need to be freshened up and to be more interesting as far as the fun mechanic, right? The thing that's going to make me keep playing it because I've played Guild Ball. I can go back and play it now. And honestly, I'm playing in a tournament next week on Vassal and it's going to be pretty much the same thing that I played a year ago. There's not going to be much that's new with it. And... And that's kind of it's kind of shitty. I, I would like to play a game and after a year have something exciting that's going to draw me back in. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I think I think that probably what we hit on and and you thought about things correctly was the game plan decks putting the most work into there. Um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't mind seeing all of those changes that we talked about regarding decks and cards. Um, I I want weather conditions. I've wanted that for a while. I want game plan decks that can actually maybe influence more victory point issues. And then I also want uh, 
individual cards based on either captain or guild that you can slide in there that are specific to your captain or guild. Give your deck a flavor of its own. Yeah, and I think people are just kind of crying also just to get some kind of rebalance. There's a ton of people, including in the Southeast, where they're just like, it's just, it's really crazy with how overpowered a lot of these new models and guilds are. Like some people are like, these shepherds are kind of bonkers, really ridiculous. So, well, you know, yeah, I hate power creep. to see how that is next week. Uh, yeah. Power creep sucks. Yeah, so the day that... The day that Flint dropped out of like probably the top 10 scorers, the strikers and guild ball was when you're like, well, Flint's not one of the best strikers. What's going on? Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yep. Uh, Oh, the other thing that, the other thing that I think they can do, and this is like kind of an aside, so we won't take a ton of time with this, but I would like to see more and accessible lore stuff. I think that can keep people interested. Yeah. Yeah, because when they done when they have done the community events, especially the ones where you know the storyline gets moved forward, that those have been some of the most successful and capturing and interesting time periods in Guild Ball, and that and SteamCon are the things that I love most. Like when I heard about SteamCon in Chicago that one year and heard about all the cool things you could do, that made me love the company even more and love the game even more because just how much they're willing to dump into their fan base. And then all of a sudden we had the, you know, community campaigns that were so awesome and amazing and influenced the game that it just drove me to want to play the game even more. And it just seems like we haven't had that for over a year now. And it just, that's what makes me feel like the games really lost a lot of attention from the company. So I'm glad they're trying to right the ship a little bit because those are the things that I probably miss the most. Yeah, I, I I want I want SteamCon back. Um, I would love to see SteamCon have kind of the double barrels of a stronger Guild Ball and a growing God tier. That that would be amazing for me. And I think that they could learn from some of the errors in the past, right? Like we we just need you just you just need an area that it can it can be held in that has enough space. It doesn't have to be you know, such a nice venue to where you're worried about losing yeah. money. Right. And, 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 and maybe just yeah, do throw it. me a holiday in. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like I, I don't care about, <laughs> I care, I care about the practical, right. So I don't care yeah. about it looking room looking to play. Empty. Yeah. Room to play. Make sure that you can air out some of the central location, some of the funk that gets in that room from all these gamers. Yeah. And- <laughs> so a couple of things that I just want to just kind of, clean up real quick is uh, we have been kind of promoting barding tokens a little bit. That's our boy Nick's page where he's on Etsy and he's making tokens on his 3d printer. If you want to buy stuff from him, he does, he does stuff to order. So even if you have something that you have in mind, but he doesn't have on a shop, just hit him up with a message. But if you use kind of the code rage quit, when you guys do an order, it'll kick us some money to help support the podcast and the YouTube channel. Um, use that when you guys buy, buy your stuff from Nick and yeah, check us out on YouTube. We got a lot of videos popping up on there. I'm actually gonna, now that we've been talking about SteamCon, I'm going to release the, this video we did during our SteamCon visit that I'll release to everybody so they can reminisce on how awesome SteamCon was. Sounds good. So I think with that being said though, folks, make sure you like, subscribe, share, hit us up. We're on Twitter and Facebook. 
and that'll all be in the show notes. But until then, make sure that you roll dice, throw salt, and we'll see you all next time. Take care.